Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. I've been getting in my steps, lifting weights, and now I'm trying really hard to get as much protein as I can. That's why I'm excited about trying Clean Simple Eats because they're just that, clean and simple. Their protein powder is always grass-fed with no seed oils or artificial ingredients. It's third-party tested and non-GMO and gluten-free. They've got 26 delicious all-natural flavors. You really can't go wrong with any of them. They've got Simply Vanilla and other unique flavors like cookies and cream, caramel toffee, and even cinnamon roll. I have a feeling my entire family may just like Clean Simple Eats protein powder, and they're probably going to use it every day because it's so easy to put into your milk or a recipe my daughter loves to bake or in a smoothie, which my son loves to drink almost every day. You can It's amazing really in any form. Visit cleansimpleeats.com and use the code ASKLISA20 at checkout for 20% off your first order. That's cleansimpleeats.com with the code ASKLISA20 for 20% off your first order. This is Ask Lisa, a podcast to help people understand the psychology of parenting, now in the midst of a pandemic. Psychologist Dr. Lisa Damore, author of two New York Times best-selling parenting books, takes your questions. And I'm co-host Rena Ninen, a journalist and mom of two. Some of what we talk about comes from raising children ourselves. Most of the time, I'll be getting answers to your parenting questions. So send your questions to AskLisa at drlisademore.com. Episode 41, how do I help my kid find friends again? So I feel like finally there are some things pre-pandemic that are returning back into our lives again. Yeah, yeah. We, we talked a little bit about sibling rivalries. That's coming back strong. Yeah. <laughs> That's been going strong the whole time. <laughs> so true. We never lost Maybe that we're one. just at a point where we can hardly take it anymore. <laughs> You're right. Such a good point. But it's nice to see, you know, kids getting back with their friends. We're talking yeah. birthday parties, which we weren't really months ago. We got a letter from a parent who's talking about finding friends. You know, you know, we've been so isolated. You think about the impact it has on children. And this parent writes, Dear Lisa, you've been so helpful throughout this pandemic, and I'm hopeful that you can help advise me now. My 12 and a half year old daughter is in the seventh grade at a new school this year. When school opened up, I insisted that she go back in person for social reasons. In school, she reports that she's always alone. She doesn't know anyone. She carries a book with her at all times. I can only imagine her loneliness when masked, so she can't smile at others or see smiles from them. 
there is very little opportunity to interact safely. On her end, she's completely changed in personality. This is a child who has always been so outgoing and would often overwhelm other children with her friendly, inclusive manner as she was growing up. She made friends easily and was well-liked. Now it's impossible to get her out the door to engage others. I feel like COVID has destroyed her social development and I don't know how to help her. I need her back. Please help me with my kid. It is so painful to watch. A frustrated mom. God, this this just hurts to read. It does. It actually it does. And and I got to tell you, Rena, as you are reading it, I'm like, okay, this is my nightmare scenario. Right? Why nightmare? Nightmare. Okay, new school, seventh grade, um, COVID. I mean, just there. It is such a lot of whammies in one. Such a lot of whammies. You know, I mean, seventh grade. Seventh grade is so hard under yeah. ideal conditions in terms totally. of finding one's new life. And I mean, can you imagine like starting seventh grade at no. a new school under right. ideal conditions? Totally, you know, horrible. And then, you know, I get the sense from this letter that it was relatively recently that they finally were even able to go back to school. So now there's all this water under the bridge of this super weird year. And now kids are going to try to find friends yeah. at this point in the game. And it's heartbreaking. But isn't it crazy? She's, this wasn't a silent kid. The mom yeah. is saying, oh, my God, she was so outgoing. She had so much energy. It's like it was hard to, like, ramp it down was yeah. the sense I'm getting from this. What does she do now? And how does the kid go from that? Oh, man, oh, man. Okay, so, whew, okay, when I feel a little overwhelmed by the realities of life, I go to the literature. I go to the research. Like, I what do that. we know? About, it does help me. It's using intellectualization as a defense to manage really, really painful things and then hopefully bring it back to a heartfelt and useful place. Um, okay, so the nice thing is we know at some level this kid has had the skills in the past, but she has become very withdrawn and is having a very hard time plugging in for reasons that are both context-driven and also what this mom describes so you know beautifully, the kid's not helping herself either. You know, if you've always got your nose in a book and you're walking around and you're not trying to engage, it's not going to help the situation get better. Um, okay, Serena, so I want to tell you about this research that has been going on for decades in the field about different kinds of social configurations or different kinds of social um, categories that we can put kids in. Because when we think about that research, what it does is it actually helps us to diagnose the problem very precisely. And then actually, once it's best diagnosed or well diagnosed, then to come up with the right intervention. Okay, you ready for this? Yeah. Okay. So this research, I am. it's a big, complex body of research. I am going to distill it. I'm going to lose nuance, um, but I want to I share it because it's really fascinating. For years and years, we've studied what kids think of one another, how they um, categorize the peers they want to spend time with and don't want to spend time with. And one way that this research has gone down is to go to an entire class of kids, give the kids privately a roster of everyone in their class, and basically say, put a check mark next to the kids you like put a star next to the kids you actually don't like that are not your favorite. And then we collect these data from them and then we collate it all. And what drops out are five categories of kids, which is kind of amazing. It's like an interesting methodology and it really clarifies something. Okay, so here are the five categories. So the first is popular. And that's a kid where a lot of kids in the class checked like, I like this kid. 
Okay, for parents who have that kid, like, they got nothing to worry about right now. They're like, okay, my kid, you know, will plug back in or be okay. Um, then there are kids who are controversial, which is an interesting, I love that label because it's so perfect for this, <laughs> which is that they both got check marks and stars. You know, some kids were like, yeah, I really like this kid. Other kids were like, ah, not so keen on this kid, you know, and they got a decent number of those. The third category, and actually the controversial kids, actually just to rest on that for a minute, socially, I'm not that worried about them either. These are kids who are on other kids' radars, have people who like them, and I think are mostly going to be able to sort out the details of restarting a social life after pan- after the pandemic. A third category, and a lot of kids fall in this category, and if your kid's in this category, this is terrific, is what they basically called average, which is, you know, they weren't very high profile. Like a couple kids said, yeah, I really like this kid. Um, maybe a couple kids said, yeah, not my cup of tea. But they had friends, and they were sort of um, middle of the pack. You know, they had one or two friends, but they weren't popular, they weren't controversial, but they had friends. Okay, now we get to the two categories we really worry about. One is rejected kids, kids who got a lot of stars, where a lot of kids in the class were like, that kid rubs me the wrong way. So we worry about those kids, and we'll want to think about what to do for those kids. And then the last, and this is where this kiddo from this letter belongs, is what we call neglected kids, which are kids like no one's checking or starring their name. They're just sort of invisible to their peers. And those are the kids we worry about all the time. And those are the kids that coming out of the pandemic, we really want to think about how to help them. When you say neglected kids, I think of kids whose parents are alcoholics, gone, Mm. MIA. Are those neglected kids? Or can they be kids where the parent is still supportive, but there are other issues? It's the latter. You know, usually when we use the term neglected, we mean the kids you're talking about, where their parents are not able to care for them well. In this case, what we mean is socially neglected. Ah. Like kids, like they just, kids don't. They're not on anybody's radar. They're just not part of any mix. And that's what this girl is, this sweet seventh grader. And you describe her mom like her mom's trying. Her mom's aware. Her mom's thinking. So it happens like that sometimes. Wow. It's so interesting to hear you, you talk about that. But at this point, what should this mom do? I mean, she's writing to us. She's concerned. She's beautifully outlined the problem and isolated it. I mean, this mom couldn't be any more on. Where does she yeah. go from here, Lisa? Okay, so what do we do for neglected kids? Um, there are things we can do, and this is this is where it's good. Like there's places where parents can intervene meaningfully, coach meaningfully. So the first thing we have to remember is you don't make friends; you find friends. You know, right. Rena. Like yeah. it's just like you find your people, and you can't just decide like. I'm going to make friends with that person. Like, you know, it doesn't work like that. Like, you have to really um, find the spark in somebody that matches the spark in you, and then there's a friendship. So for kids like this, what works really well is to try to get a whole bunch of other kids into their traffic patterns. So you up the odds that they're going to find their person or their people. But even one friend is so great and such a big improvement over zero friends. It doesn't have to be a big group. So when I think about this kiddo or kiddos like her and the summer coming, what I would say is try to put as many kids as possible in 
their traffic patterns. So if there's, you know, a summer camp they can do, if there's, you know, volunteering in your community they can do, if your neighborhood has kids running around, like if there's a way your kid can just sort of be outside when that is happening, if um, if there's a theater program, I often find theater programs are really effective for kids like this. And part of what I love about theater programs is, you know, this doesn't sound like a front stage kid, at least not right now, but there's backstage stuff, you know, there's technical True. stuff, there's yeah. um, building sets, there's, you know, all sorts of fantastic things. And so you can be a quiet kid, even in a theater program, and start to find your people. So that would be the first step, is just put this kiddo in situations where there's a lot of other kids near or around. Um, there's structured activities, you know, so she doesn't have to make small talk. There's stuff that's got to be done. There's stuff the kids are doing. But um, create the conditions where she's more likely to find a friend. You've taken us to step one. I want to ask you about engineering friendships, but we're going to take a quick break. And on the other side of it, we'll pick this conversation back up. EarthBreeze EcoSheets look just like a dryer sheet, but instead of being a dryer sheet, they're in fact an ultra-concentrated liquidless laundry detergent. It's really the best of all worlds. EarthBreeze is tough on stains and odors while being kind to the planet and to your skin. Personally, I get a huge kick out of using EarthBreeze. I love the fact that it takes up less space, is better for the environment, and yet it leaves my clothes smelling so good and it gets them so clean. Here's the bottom line. Making a positive impact in the world doesn't have to come at a cost to you. My clothes are clean, they smell great, and I feel like I actually did something good, not just for my laundry, but also for the earth. Right now, my listeners can receive 40% off EarthBreeze just by going to earthbreeze.com slash asklisa. That's earthbreeze.com slash asklisa to cut out single-use plastic in your laundry room and claim 40% off your subscription earthbreeze.com slash ask Lisa. I'm all for healthy habits, but I don't trust quick fixes. This is why I love Daily Harvest. They take all of the work out of eating well, and all I have to do is enjoy. Daily Harvest makes it so easy for me to eat in the nutritious and delicious ways that I like. They take the planning, the prep, the cleanup out of cooking, and they deliver meals that are packed with vegetables and fruits straight to my door. The other thing I love about them is that it's not the same old boring meals. I love their dragon fruit and lime smoothie. I also love their butternut squash and rosemary soup. They also have this wonderful herb squash and asparagus risotto. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com slash asklisa to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com slash asklisa for $30 off your first box and free shipping. dailyharvest.com slash asklisa. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. We spend a lot of time teaching our kids please and thank you. But one thing I've realized I haven't spent a lot of time teaching my children is how to be financially responsible. We started using the Greenlight app and it's made a difference in helping them have that conversation about money and to really understand how it can affect their lives. Greenlight's a debit card and a money app that's made for families. I can send money to my kids, keep an eye on their spending and their savings. I didn't think I would need this app, but my kids are absolutely loving it and they're getting the concept of what it means to save 
I love the lessons they're learning. I love the games they're playing. I love that they are being educated at a younger age that you need to learn how to save. Sign up for the Greenlight app today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash asklisa. That's greenlight.com slash asklisa to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash asklisa. So we're back. Uh, we're talking about engineering friendships and how to get your kids together with more friends when they feel so isolated. Lisa, is that a good idea? So by engineering friendships, you know, what we often mean is um, like, oh, my kid's so isolated. You know, this lady I work with has a fantastic 12-year-old. I'll have them over, you know, and then we'll get them together and there, there may be some spark. With little kids, you have a shot at this. Once I think you're into sixth, certainly seventh, eighth, or ninth, I wouldn't put much stock in it, and I'd be very cautious about it. Yeah, because here's the problem. I mean, you remember being a seventh grader, right? And you remember when your folks were like, oh, the neighbor child seems really nice. Why do you have them over? Like, And you're like, no! Yeah, yeah. never a good idea. True. Kiss of death, total kiss of death. (laughs) And then, of course, what's worse, right? I mean, if you actually think through the situation, Say that this kiddo who, you know, is basically randomly selected, like, you know, there's nothing that makes you think this is going to be a a good match, comes over, and then it goes badly, and everybody is sort of sitting around, like, twiddling their thumbs and looking at each other weird. That does not help a kid who is already feeling shaky socially gain more confidence. So I, I think it's more about the traffic pattern stuff. I think it's more about putting kids in their path. I think it's more about... That happening, like I said, when there's other stuff that they can do to focus on or work collaboratively, that can grease the wheels of being together and getting connected. So should we ever – okay, while you can't engineer, should we coach them? How do we talk to them about this? I think we can. I think we can. I think there's good coaching to be done on the neglected kids, kids who are having a hard time plugging in. So – One thing I would have this mom say to her daughter in the gentlest way is, cutie, if you've got your nose in a book at school, you're not giving anyone a fighting chance. You know, I I want you, you know, to um, try to make eye contact with people or be near people or, you know, be warm in any way you can. You know, is there anyone that you, you know, who else is sitting in the lunchroom? Is there anyone else there who's sitting you know, that doesn't have um, somebody they're sitting with? Or is there a group that seems gentle that you could ask if you could join? So they do need help often um, taking that first step. And if they're a sophisticated kid, if it's a pretty cognitively sophisticated kid, what we can say to them is people want to be friends with people who make them feel good. And you need to send signals to people that make them feel welcome, feel invited, feel drawn towards you. If you're sending what are essentially go away signals, people are going to go away. And, and that can be a beginning conversation to help kids think about the power they have for how they enter a situation. You've talked about neglected kids. Tell me a little bit about rejected kids. Who are they? What really works for them? They are actively doing things that are rubbing other kids the wrong way. You know, so neglected kids are just not, no one's paying attention to them. And our job is to help them sort of make themselves more visible and get where they can see other kids and other kids can see them. Rejected kids, kids know them, right? And they're like, no, that kid is annoying to me. And 
What's interesting, Mina, is there's a pretty um, common list of the things that rejected kids are doing that create trouble for them socially. Really? What's on that list? Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so obviously meanness, right? If you're mean, that's not going to help you, especially if you don't have a lot of social charisma, right? That probably the more controversial kids are both charismatic and also occasionally mean. Um, whereas rejected kids might just be mean, you know, and so kids are like, I'm not dealing with that. But it could also be things that are more in the department of being, you know, intrusive, you know, kind of busting in on conversations or speaking over other kids. Um, it can be things like not managing personal space. You know how kids can yeah, just like, oh, yeah. those kids who just take up oh, a lot of space yeah. and they're kind of yes. in your bubble. Yes. And and you might not even mind that kid so much, but you're like, dude, like back it up, you know? <laughs> so like there's that. Um, there can also be things like they tattle, you know, that they're they're like going and getting a grown up, you know, around stuff, which basically by second grade, you can't do that anymore and still be, you know, getting along well. I mean, you could do it maybe occasionally on big stuff, but for the most part, by second and third and fourth grade, going and getting the teacher mm. when you're unhappy mm. socially, you know, isn't going to really make things work well with your peers. So... Part of what we have to do is to try to help these kids rein those behaviors in. And and often if they can rein those behaviors in, things get better. So tell me about rejected kids. What else should we know? They sometimes get sort of pigeonholed by their peers. You know, one of the challenges with a kid who has you know, been struggling with impulse control, um, maybe has rubbed, you know, kids the wrong way a fair bit, is their peers can lose patience with them. You know, they can get tired of it. And so even if they have a pretty good day and or even a pretty good week, as soon as they go back to, you know, one annoying thing that they did, their, their classmates can give up on them pretty quickly. And so one thing that makes a huge difference, it's actually kind of amazing, is to give these kids an all-new setting. Um, One thing I have seen, and this is under normal conditions, but we could actually use the pandemic well here. I have seen kids who had a very rejected year where they really just, you know, they couldn't get it right with their peers and their peers kind of just pushed them to the side. And then I've seen that kid do something like a summer camp or a summer program where they had a totally clean slate. Nobody knew them. Yep, nobody came in with a preconceived notion about them. And in that space, they were able to try out different sides of themselves, practice um, getting along with kids using, you know, without already having dug themselves into a deep hole. I think sometimes a parent in that condition might actually say to the camp counselor, my kid's great, but she can kind of get on other kids' nerves. You know, you feel free to give her real-time coaching if you see anything that you think would make a difference for her. I think coming from somebody who's not a parent in a gentle way can matter. But what's neat is in those fresh settings, without all of this history, they can um, live in to different parts of their personality, have those start to feel pretty authentic and good and real to them, and then come back and actually begin again mm. with old classmates. Oh, so you're it's saying pretty this, cool. You're saying the summer could be a period to reset, and then they come back with this renewed confidence and, and different mindset that could help them in the old school setting. It can. And and the way I like to think about it almost is like repertoire, 
right? Like that that we all have our social repertoires. And for a kid who's been rejected, their repertoire, um, you know, they kind of it was it was bothering everybody. Yeah. And then, of course, even if they try to change repertoires, kids are like, ah, we got the drop on you. We know how you operate. And so they don't even give them much room to try out a new repertoire. Uh. Whereas if they're in a brand new social setting and maybe have loving adults there who can help with some, you know, redirection, they can actually start to build up a repertoire that then becomes theirs and comes back to school with them and works really quite well. So what do you suggest that we as parents do to help with this? Okay. Um, let me start with like, what not to do, <laughs> because it can be tempting, especially if you're really worried about your kid. Um, I would say what not to do is to give them direct feedback on what you've observed them do with other kids if you think it might be painful to them. So, you know, it might be the case where, you know, you look out your window and you're seeing the neighborhood kids and you can see your kid, you know, kind of in somebody's space or you can tell that they're interrupting or overwhelming their peers As much as we might want to when they come back in, I would be very cautious about being like, buddy, I was looking through the window and like you're not respecting kids' personal space or you're, you know, I can tell that they're talking and you're talking over them. It might be really well-meaning, but that's, that can be painful Uh and, and it may not, may not be, you know, may not land in a way that's effective. If you know your kid and they can take it, you know, do it carefully, but consider doing it. But what I would say what I would say instead is they're probably doing with you what they're doing with their peers. And as adults, you know how you kind of accommodate to your kid, you get accustomed to your kid, um, you get used to how they interact. Um, what I would say, Rena, is I would up the bar a little bit. You know, if your kid isn't respecting personal space with you, you know, if they are all over you and they're old enough to know differently, that's a place where you might say, "Hey, cutie, you know." I love you. You know I want to snuggle. Here's something I can give you some coaching on. We're pretty close. And though it's okay with me, I want you to be mindful of the kind of space you give other people, maybe your classmates. I want you to watch your other classmates in terms of how close they get to each other. Because while this is all right with me, if this is going on with your peers, that's going to be hard for them. They're going to feel like they don't have enough space. So it can be gentle based on what's transpired between the two of you, and you're just making, you know, kind of vague recommendations, but you're not saying, whoa, I watched you with that kid, and I could see why, you know, Mm. they're not calling. I want to go back to this mom's letter, because you know what disturbed me, and almost, I have to say, scared me, was she said that her child was completely changed in personality. She was so outgoing before, made friends easily, really well-liked. Now, she says, it's impossible to get her out the door, to gauge her. How do we as parents, when you've seen your child transform or change, and not for the best in this pandemic, what's your advice to parents who are struggling with this? It's a good one. And, and of course, in listening to this, I, I do think, like, is this kid depressed? You know, I mean, has this sort of gotten to a level where there's depression? And, you know, I don't really know. And we can't really know. Um, if there's more reason to think that, I would say, you know, check in with your pediatrician. But what I would say is they're really out of practice. And it is good to know that there's a time in this child's life where she was very comfortable socially. And so I wonder if part of how a parent might approach this child or another kid who feels um, like they don't know what to do or doesn't feel like themselves anymore is if we just use those words and say, look, you've done this before. You can do this before. 
you're just really out of practice with doing this. You know, it would be like if you played a game every single day and then didn't play it for a year. You know, the first time you come back to it, you're not going to feel so sure of yourself. But once you get back into it, the skills will return. And, and Rena, the reason I think we need to remind kids of this, to give them some perspective of like they've done this before, they can do it again, is that when you're 12, you know, like this kiddo is, a year is a really, really long time. Or, you know, 14 yeah. months in a pandemic. That's true. Like, think of the percentage of this kid's life. That's true. And so, like, she really may not have any perspective that she can do this, she has done this, she can do it again, she's out of practice, she feels rusty. So for kids who feel like they're pretty dramatically changed, mm-hmm. what I would say to parents is trust that your kid can change back. You know, kids live up to expectations and down to expectations. And so if you, you know, set the expectation, like, I think you can get this all back, let's put you in conditions where you can get this all back. I think um, that's the direction that can help move things where we want them to go. That's good. Don't don't give up hope. That's really good. No, no. I love that. So what's the big takeaway, Lisa? We're reemerging, right? This is going to be an interesting summer. We're all trying to get back together again. If your kid is socially isolated, doesn't have friends, what should parents really keep in mind? What's the big picture? Honestly, Rena, kids need one friend. That that's really for me what it's about. Like if your kid is neglected and has no friends, if your kid is rejected and have no friends, has no friends, like to me that's on fire. That's on fire. Like the the gap between one friend and zero friends in my life, in my kind of, you know, how I think about this as a psychologist, that's a grand canyon. So if you're worried about your kid, It's not about helping them build a broad social network. It's helping them find one person just to get started where they feel connected and accepted. That is a huge triumph. If it builds from there a little bit, that's fantastic. If it doesn't, that's okay too. But kids need friends. Kids need friends. It doesn't matter how well they get along with their family. It doesn't matter how well they are admired by teachers. Kids need to have at least one age mate who they feel is a good buddy. Hmm. That's great. I'm glad we're having this conversation, especially now as the summer's starting and to hear, you can fix this. This is fixable. Don't lose hope. I love that. I love that. And we've got a book giveaway for today. We do, actually. So um, there's a book I have long recommended to families when they have a kiddo who's in that kind of neglected, rejected department. And it's called the Science of Making Friends. Helping socially challenged teens and young adults. Love it. And it's by Elizabeth Logason. And it's so smart, Rena. It is so smart because it's it's um it's realistic. It's about how do you enter a conversation? How do you keep a conversation going? You know, and it just she gets it. Um, it's smart. It's useful. So let's give away a copy of this. I love that. That's so great. And it's also a great reminder for everybody that, you know, we all need a little education and a little uh, extra boost sometimes when thinking about these issues. So thank you for that book reminder. That's great. Yeah. So yeah, so folks should head over to our Instagram page if they're looking for details on how to enter this book giveaway. It's a really good book. Sounds great. And what do you have for us for Parenting to Go? Well, one thing that I have found interesting in the literature of looking at kids and their friends is that being popular is actually overrated. Ah, (laughs) really? Yeah. So when we look at kids who have a lot of social ties, what we see is, you know, maybe they're envied by their peers because they have a lot of social ties, but it's pretty stressful. 
Having a lot of friendships that you're trying to maintain, especially across different groups or even within the same group, can be a bit of a workout that kids can feel like, um, you know, they're, they're not quite sure where their loyalties belong. You know, if I say yes to this thing, I'm saying no to that kid and it feels crummy. Or kids who are in larger social groups, you know, invariably, Rena, um, if you get more than like two or three kids together, like not everyone in the group likes each other equally. Yeah. And so then, you know, you've got kids who are like, you know, caught between peers who disagree and it, and it's a workout. It's tiring. And so what I would say to parents as the parenting to go is if your kid's popular, like, yay, and also be ready for that to be kind of tiring for them. Be prepared for that to be kind of demanding. And if your kid has one or two good friends, like, you won the lottery. Like, don't ask them why they're not hanging out with other kids. Like, stand back. Let them hang out with their one or two good friends. That's pretty much the best configuration we see. Uh. I wish I knew this in high school. Not being the popular kid has its advantages. Absolutely. <laughs> I'll see you next week, Lisa. See you next week. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the Ask Lisa podcast so you get the episodes just as soon as they drop. And send us your questions to Lisa at drlisademore.com. And now a word from our lawyers. The advice provided on this podcast does not constitute or serve as a substitute for professional psychological treatment, therapy, or other types of professional advice or intervention. If you have concerns about your child's well-being, consult a physician or mental health professional. If you're looking for additional resources, check out Lisa's website at drlisademore.com. We'll see you next week. <laughs>